0: I can hear you, just barely hear you. I can just barely hear you. Early one day, I got up the strength to call you on the phone. The president calls your name in the nighttime. I flip back guy the bird.
1: Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. We've got a message from Carrie Hearn regarding last week's Whole Lot of Glean episode. So, welcome to Carrie's Correction Corner.
2: Hi Greg, this is Carrie calling in with a correction to your previous podcast episode, which was the Whole Lot of glean episode, and as I said to you on Twitter, Greg, you know that's a synth, not a guitar, right? Um, So I actually found that out when I submitted a question to the TMBG Tumblr account, which is tmbgrok.tumblr.com, and I'll go ahead and read my question, which was, I'm really glad that a whole lot of green found a home on My Murdered Remains. It was my favorite thing from the 2015 dial song cycle, and I really want to know, how did you do those octave shifts in the guitar part? And Flans posted my question with the reply, the, quote, guitar is a keyboard-controlled sound, and the shift is probably Linnell using the mod wheel, which is a favorite move of his. So in answer to you guys' lengthy discussion about how they achieved the interesting overdrive effect on the guitar, the answer is actually that they didn't. It was Linnell playing his keyboard.
1: Thanks for calling in, Carrie. Anyone can leave us a message at 224-801-2930 Obviously, if uh, we get something wrong on an episode, we want to correct it. So call in or email. This might be a pod at Gmail. On with the episode. Time stopped
0: when you said hello.
1: Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast, about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I've got a a, a special episode here with Adam Rivera, uh, who has a a big, big project to tell you all about, and then we're going to talk about the song Unpronounceable. I should have pronounced that wrong as some sort of (laughs) gag. Unpronounceable uh, off of the album Gle- Glan Glean Glan No that's <laughs> glean. an easy to pronounce glean. word Glean <laughs> I'm like I don't know how to botch the word glean. Here we go. A depression on Jimmy. Jim. Adam Hello. Sup dude. You're a guy I've been seeing around the uh the, the fan communities for quite a while and we're just now I mean this yeah, we're almost two years into this podcast finally getting you on here. So thanks uh, thanks for coming on.
3: No problem. Thank you for having me, Greg.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we even get into your fandom and the song and all that stuff, you have a special project going on that you want to tell my listeners about. So make that pitch, dude.
3: All right, I hope I'm ready. But uh, I have a Kickstarter running for a. uh, It's called They Pay Tribute Volume 2. The first one uh, came out, uh, let's say, I'm going to be wrong, maybe 2015. Uh, And we put 27 tracks together from different people, uh, you know, making covers, recording them, and uh, shipping them over to me, remastered them, and uh, put them on a disc. Uh, We had all sorts of. Cool perks, which some of them are left over from that, which you can get in this Kickstarter. Ooh yeah! Um, there's stickers, there's dice, there's the, the the new the new double disc set, and there's the old one. Um, there's mugs, there's uh, t-shirts, all sorts of cool stuff. Posters.
1: Yeah, man. So it's a double disc, and there's a uh, a theme there. Sort of, right?
3: Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not a, an album cover. It's not like. A cover of a specific album it's any cover you want to do as long as it wasn't on the first uh comp and uh it's the the two discs is is one for each john so any song that's yes. covered by plans will be on one disc and then the rest will be little, the Leno songs will be on the other disc
1: and at this point you're still accepting uh submissions and i've got a couple already to you i'm pretty excited to be on this one since yes. i missed the first one by several years <laughs> um but uh what how's it How's it coming so far? As far as submissions, how many? Uh, how many do you have at the point of us recording this?
3: Uh, I don't have many, uh, including mine. I have like maybe four, but like a ton of people that are working on stuff right now. So um.
1: only four. I gave you like wait, how many of mine are you ending up putting on? Because I think I told you about three of them.
3: Uh, I don't think I included yours, like because uh, yeah, I don't think you've emailed. I was going to say me. that would <laughs> up
1: the number a bit. Yeah, <laughs> how many do you have? Coming uh, man, up? it's so loud in here. Um, are we allowing Montana? It's a Linnell song, even though it's not a They Might Be Giant song. Montana's allowed, yes. Okay, yeah, that one. And uh, I don't want it to be dominated by me, but I've got a couple other ones in the works. With uh, I'm doing a race, and nice. uh, Nothing's Gonna Change My Clothes with Bob Nana of Emo Veterans Braid. I'm working on two covers with him. Working on another one. Oh, wait, did I? S- yeah, and then working on another one with Adam. I'm doing Boat of Car, which is a fun one Um, because we're punking it up and putting drums to it, and it has no drums. Um, We're changing the time signature on the ending. We're making it punk. Actually, it'll be kind of like a doom metal ending. Adam's got all these plans for it. (laughs) Nice. Uh, A-T-O-M, Adam. Got it. uh, um, And then, oh, yeah, Dylan Baldy from Cloud Nothings. They uh, um, are out of Cleveland, and we're going to do a, I guess you'd call it a medley. He was on the episode, hasn't aired yet. He's on the episode Spine and Spines. So we got the two 30-second songs that we are mashing into one song uh, and making it kind of crazy rock and roll. So I've got all of those that are still in the works. I'm not sure how many will be done before your deadline. What is your deadline for submissions? Because when, when this comes out, will you still be accepting submissions if this comes um, out on May 18th?
3: Uh, well, uh, well, no, May 18th is, the, uh, is when uh, it's my birthday. That has nothing to do with anything. But uh, this, this Kickstarter will end uh, July 7th. And then uh okay
1: so people still got time
3: plenty of time to submit plenty of time to pledge but also the deadline for submitting songs is September 15th so we got lots of time
1: Oh wow lots of time Yeah since this is a uh, since there's much physical merch involved with this it's a longer process you know we've yeah. seen a bunch of uh Bandcamp digital only tributes being thrown together by fans mm-hmm. which i i love doing but it's a lot quicker to just be like hey give me anything of any sonic quality <laughs> and we'll throw it on the band camp in a month you right know. but when, when yours yours is a um you're uh because you've got the two discs yeah that you're curating and then but is it did i read that everything gets on it's just some of it will end up as bonus content that's
3: correct we'll you know select the you know the creme de la creme the stuff we theme-worthy and stuff that isn't a double. Um, and it's going to be a lot of it because, you know, uh, Yeah. there's, you know. So is the
1: bonus going to be just like a digital download included with it or?
3: Uh, no, the bonus is going to be on a USB drive. Um, oh, I'm okay, only cool. licensing the disk material. There's only a handful of disk drives. Um, uh, so, like, everything that's going to be on the disk is going to be fully licensed and good to go, like, legally for yeah. um, Yes.
1: putting out on a disk. I was going to ask you that, yeah, because you, you got to be smart about that, especially with how heavy, heavily you're promoting it, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that people put money towards. You got to make sure you're above board on that, and that that the guys that we're paying tribute to are uh, getting their their fair, you know, change off of this. You know, they're not rich, rich dudes. You know, they're doing pretty well, but they're an indie band by all yeah. accounts at this point. So it's it's good to throw them some money if we really do like them. For sure. Yeah, so I, I hope a lot of uh, TMBP listeners will make some submissions. I'm sure right now, as Carrie Hearn is hearing this, she's probably like just started. She's like, I'm going to pause this episode and start recording something. Yes. Same with Daryl Till, Astral B, uh, both of who are going to have covers on this episode um, because they cover everything. And um, there are also folks that have recorded stuff, especially for me for the podcast, where I'm like, hey, Carrie, there, <laughs> there are no covers of this and she'll record one nice. like that day and then daryl has re-recorded stuff that he had on his youtube from like 2008 so i'm like hey you want to uh i'm playing uh you know montana on the state songs patreon and he's like oh let me re-record that for you it sounds like crap yeah. <laughs> so it's I've got some pretty cool fans of the podcast here that are uh big uh cover artists of they might be giants so i'm uh guessing that you'll be getting quite a few uh from this community within the community uh coming your way and uh lots of high quality there that's awesome i'm excited to hear yeah. it all oh maybe me and avrin will do one we uh did collaborated on a couple well i mixed and mastered one for them on uh the flood yeah road movie to berlin on the the flood uh they might be ship posting one and then i drummed on cover of end of the rope for the for the glean one so um they're getting a lot better at at home recording and learning how to record to a click and bought a midi keyboard and all this so it'll be much easier for us to collaborate with avrin in uh the bay area of california and me over here in indiana so uh i I can i can almost guarantee and now i'm putting them on the spot as they (laughs) hear this i can almost guarantee that you're going to get at least those three right carrie Daryl and Haven
3: uh, <laughs> has already reached out. So, Oh, there you go. They're definitely okay. going to be on.
1: All set. <laughs> what else do we need to know about that? I mean, you, you, you really have gone all out with this. The, <laughs> the video on the Kickstarter, everyone needs to go watch this. The, uh, Oh yeah. Tell us about who was involved with, um, like the visual artwork and the video, and I know you've got your voiceover, dude, made it sound all professional. Who who all is involved with helping you uh, launch this thing? Uh,
3: so uh, my buddy Paul did the voiceover. He's a professional voice actor, so <laughs> he kind of knocked it out of the park for that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you can tell, like, that's what, what he does. <laughs> and, and I uh, love that he said compact disc <laughs> instead of, like, CD, because... That's something I feel like you'd you'd have to go back to like early '90s Time Life compilation <laughs> things or whatever they even call them. Yeah, you'll you'll receive a new compact disc every month, if you want it or not, <laughs> unless you cancel. Yeah, he
3: um he added some like you know references in there that I didn't even put in the script, but like um oh nice yeah he uh he did a really good job with that, and then uh for the I'll art say. Orville did all the every single piece of artwork in there. Um, Orville Blaufus yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, like it's me doing the cover of Unpronounceable, which currently has no vocals because I can't get into the studio to record the vocals.
1: Which worked, yeah, fine. It would have clashed with. Where the do voice. you usually record at? Why don't you you promote that studio?
3: Sure. Uh, I record drums primarily at Cambridge Sound Studios. Uh, they're in South Philadelphia, um, and then everything else goes to home studios. My friend uh, Vince Tampio uh, does all most all my you know production co-production on uh, all my songs.
1: Yeah, your stuff sounds really good. Oh, um, all of your your originals and your covers are always top-notch fidelity, which I appreciate because th- through this podcast, like I love finding the covers. That's one of my favorite things <laughs> about the episodes is finding unearthing covers and stumbling upon people that have been on the pod or are then going to be on the pod and um, you know, people that are becoming, you know, like seeming like real friends, you know, in this age of like, you know, internet and social media and stuff, it's like, um, you know, you've got your IRL friends, you know, mm. but then like lots of times you'll have internet friends that you've talked with enough or, you know, have video calls where it, it seems like, and that's why I like doing video calls. Cause it really seems like you're getting to know someone better. Um, even yeah. more than a phone call um, but like e- each step up on like internet type meetings or uh interactions you know starts to feel more like a uh i think there's not as much a distinction between people you actually know in person and people you know online mm-hmm. um, because it's much easier to interact online and to collaborate and all this kind of stuff we're so, also separated by you know distance there's not like a
3: unless you're in new York there's not like a hub of of Rainbow right. Giants fandom,
1: yeah, out. I know those lucky bastards in New York <laughs> getting to see them all the damn time. Yeah, I know. I got, I got to after everything it's safe to do so. I got to get to New York sometime just to meet all these people that I've had on the podcast. Yes, um, you know, Mister John Euliss. He's like, you know, I've, I think I've, I've made a point, like a running gag, to mention him on every episode now because he <laughs> inevitably comes up. You yeah. know, something about the wiki or like he sent me some mp3 of a demo i didn't have of the song or whatever he's always the guy i I, you know and he's an og patreon peep Um, since like day one that the pod launched he's been a big supporter of it and he's he's the archivist of the pod i say whenever i need something (laughs) rare i'm like hey john do you have this and of course he always does (laughs) That's amazing yeah so everyone uh yeah go to kickstarter.com i think if you just search for they tribute volume two you should be able to find it pretty easily you'll know it's the one you can search they might be giants it's like one of two things that pop up yeah or your name probably
3: right yeah adam rivera you could you could search that in as well
1: yeah 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 God, those those dice are amazing <laughs> thanks they're so cool <laughs> yeah and the mug i mean there's so much cool stuff here the uh the linnell t-shirt with the stripes is amazing the the pocket t-shirt right mm-hmm. just like uh does it come with a wig that has bangs? <laughs> no wig that has so, bangs, no. <laughs> I just recorded that episode, too, bangs. The pocket T-shirt thing is like that line gets me every time. Yeah. Because it makes the T-shirt just that much more classy.
3: There's no pocket you know. on the shirt, but the the print is on the pocket right. section. So. <laughs> the area that the pocket would be. Yeah, yeah no,
1: it's a sweet-looking shirt. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Definitely sweet. Okay, so, yeah, you've been, I mean, heading up projects like this, I mean puts you in that like upper echelon of fans that go above and beyond to uh bring everyone together in their love of They Might Be Giants and so let's talk about how you got into the band initially how did you become a They Might Be Giants fan also how old are you
3: i'm 40 what am i 42 now 43 i'm turning 43 uh may 18th
1: how old were you when you found out about They Might Be Giants i
3: think i was uh i'm gonna say 16 maybe yeah
1: Um, so you've been a fan for a long time uh, more than half of your life by far
3: yeah i guess so i've been a fan longer than i've not been yeah Uh,
1: so tell us about how that that went down
3: i went over to my friend's house uh his name is luke and he had a cd player i i'd never seen a cd player before
1: he had um (laughs) wait what year are we talking here then
3: uh, this is 1990, Uh, do the math. I mean, it, 1995, I want to say. Wait,
1: 1995 and you've never seen a CD player? That doesn't seem right.
3: Uh, they're kind of new at that time, I think.
1: Um, I think I got my first boombox in... Uh, God, I feel like because I was buying cassettes up until I think maybe... I mean, I've been talking a lot about Alternative Rock, and I think Nirvana Nevermind may have been one of the first ones I bought. Though I know I bought because my dad was a big fan of The Who and The Beatles. I got Who's Next and Beatles Magical Mystery Tour were definitely my first CDs, and I feel those were like 90 or 91 that I got right. them. My so. first CD
3: was Green Day, the first one I ever bought with my own money.
1: So Dookie? Yeah, for sure. So then you at least, you owned your own by 94 then, probably, unless unless you bought no, it after no
3: the No, I fact. bought it around when it came out, so maybe it was 93 that I. I'm trying to think old i was in that year but um yeah i we didn't have a cd player at least and my friend luke did anyways uh, Yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> um
1: like, at the Ooh, what is that shiny <laughs> frisbee like i knew what they were <laughs> but i didn't know how they worked yeah Duke so, came out february 1st 1994 i couldn't remember the month early 94 okay so it must have been 93 that i
3: got into the member giants then yeah so at that point flood was out he had a copy of flood on cd and he had um, a Monty Python instant record collection or something like that. Uh. And I'd never <laughs> heard of either of these two things. I've never heard of Monty Python. I'd never heard of They Might Be Giants.
1: Wow, two biggies.
3: Yeah. So, um, in their
1: fields, yeah. So, uh,
3: we listened to a bunch of that. I was laughing a lot of, of over the uh, Monty Python stuff, which is amazing. And then he puts on They Might Be Giants. And I'm like, this is awesome. I, d- I don't know what this is, but I'm in love with it. I love it. And I was like, before we went to bed, I was like, is there a way to like loop this so it just plays forever? And he's like, "Yeah, man, it's called repeat." I was like, "No yeah. way."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I so, know. I love all those 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 features they had on old CD players. Now no one even has CD players, but I've still got my five disc changer, my component system stereo. It's still the way to go to get the most power, man, right? You know, I've yeah. I still got my dual deck tape thing, but like the five disc changer, you can put mm-hmm. it on you know, it can shuffle between just oh, yeah. that disc. It can shuffle between multiple discs, but then you're waiting like 10 seconds as it spins oh, yeah. around to different mm-hmm. discs between songs. Technology. But yeah, you can do all kinds of <laughs> stuff. I, lo- uh, I love that, though, and you could, like, change the time so it showed the clock counting up, it showed mm-hmm. the clock counting down, it showed the album clock counting down, all kinds of shit. I'd, mm-hmm. CDs are, are the best medium, and that's why I'm so glad that you're putting out CDs uh, for your compilation <clears throat> it would be cool for vinyl to not be so expensive and to make oh, that happen yeah. but it doesn't make any do sense that, yeah so expensive. it doesn't make any sense financially yeah but yeah so so flood was the first thing you heard yeah and apollo would have been out by then too right did he have apollo or no uh i got that later on cassette
3: um uh, i got everything really slowly you know as either as like a mixtape from a friend or you know, I found a youth yep. record store or something.
1: And you have been a fan throughout, or did because uh, I hear about a lot of people whose fandom might have waned as they got in and out of different types of music. You know, as 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 the youths often do, like I did, where I totally disowned everything that wasn't punk, except for they might be giants. Like I sold <laughs> a lot, a lot of those alternative rock CDs that I've been talking about on my Facebook tournament. A lot of them got sold off and then bought back mm. later. After I realized, like, why do I only have to listen to one genre? But that's what I thought at fifteen mm-hmm. and sixteen. I'm like, I only listen to punk now, <laughs> but somehow didn't sell my They Might Be Giants stuff. So, have you been a fan throughout, or did they come and go through your life? Throughout the whole time, I've been a huge fan.
3: Um, from that first moment, it, like almost like through mm. osmosis, like being programmed into my brain as I'm sleeping, becoming right. a fan. <laughs> Uh, then I started playing music, and I started learning how to play their songs, and it was it from there. I was just a huge fan from there.
1: What was your first instrument?
3: Uh, guitar. I started playing electric guitar when I was like uh, 12 or 13, and then I, yeah, yeah. in high school, moved over to the acoustic.
1: Yeah, they could be um, a hard band to cover. Uh, well, Flans' songs make more sense on guitar for obvious reasons, but a lot of Linnell's yeah. songs are very tricky to play on guitar because they're made for having two hands on a keyboard.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Do you do you remember what the first They Might Be giant song is that you ever learned on guitar? Oh, boy. Um, i mean maybe... take a wild guess to say Particle Man.
3: No, uh, I don't no? think I even <laughs> know how to play Particle Man to this day, but... Um... It's, it's easy if you It, do it is pretty easy as well, it, yeah. I'm thinking about it. I've never tried, I guess. I've never been a, a person to like want to play that song because to me it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They you play know, it, it is, every show. Um, yeah, the, of, I, I enjoy Dirge Particle Man
1: on. when my students are involved. Like I did oh, it yeah. with accordion with my first graders. I've taught it over the years to uh, sixth grade guitar groups that I've had. So it, it's one of those that like I enjoy it Knowing that uh, it's like kids, kids like it because it has that kind of kid type feel with like you know the mm-hmm. secret messages underneath. But like kids like it; it appeals to them, and it's three chords, so uh, yeah. it, it's fun to 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 sneak my favorite band into their lives mm. through that song. <laughs> it is nice,
3: nice and slow, so they can pick up on it too. Yeah, all right. Uh, my first, I think the first song I ever learned maybe was "Don't
1: Let's Start." Okay, all right. Yeah, not uh, not Linnell's hardest song, but definitely not his easiest, so it's an ambitious first song. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Thanks. Cool, cool, yeah, and you have probably not even would be able to keep track of how many of them up giant songs you've learned to play on guitar since then. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I have a master list.
3: I have a master list. I think it's like 35 songs. Do you? Songs.
1: Yeah. How many?
3: 35.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'd have to really think about it. It's, I mean, I could definitely find out how many I've recorded but as far as just how many I've sat down and learned, I don't I don't think I could ever figure that out. It's been mm. too I've been doing it for too long <laughs> and too many of them weren't documented and my memory is horrible. So all those things combined, I don't know if I could figure it out. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when Glean came out, you okay. picked the song off of Glean. What are your thoughts on Glean as a whole? Like when it first came out and they were doing the they resurrected dial a song in a YouTube uh, uh, era what, what were your thoughts about that? Yeah. I was a
3: little skeptical you know, before it came out. And then when it came out, I was like, man, this is great. This is a great thing. And then Phone Power came out. And I was like, eh. They were so close together. like, It didn't have the same oomph to it. I think they, essentially they put the out all the best guys. material. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah. you were
1: skeptical of Dial-A-Song coming back? Or what do you mean?
3: No, I was skeptical of, of the songs being good on Glean. Um, just because they are going to be like, Dial-A-Song songs, but it it was different. It wasn't quite like Dial-A-Song was back in the day.
1: Yeah, just recording, it's so much easier to make a high-fidelity recording in the digital mm-hmm. era than it was back then. You know, I mean, when they started, they were recording on analog tape. So, mm-hmm. And technically, they were recording on analog tape for Dial-A-Song, too, you know, into yeah. a cassette on a, Answer an answering machine, machine yeah. right? So it was just a matter of they were recording on lower-quality, thin uh, cassette tape instead of in the studio they would have been recording on thicker reel-to-reel tape for Mm -hmm. their albums but these days it's like you know they've they've got their home base studio and they've got pat dillett and they just can kick out album quality stuff and that's why we're not finding like there's no demo of unpronounceable because linnell writes it and uh it comes out in its final form you know yeah Uh, how do you how do you feel about that do you miss being able to hear demos and songs in progress are you or are you just happy to hear them in one final form
3: i'm just happy to hear them i mean i don't have a lot of the uh demo stuff um i don't have the john henry demos yet i should get that right away and listen to that right now
1: (laughs) as a guitarist it's great to hear it because the uh in in general kind of the guitar is hotter in the mix Mm, and more kind of punk like Okay. I don't know who would have told flansburg to tone it down or who would have <laughs> t- or who would have you know been eventually responsible for it being lower in the mix but like it's a it's pretty hot in the in the demos and it and it comes off as a more kind of raw post punky kind of record which mm. i love it's it's a good lesson it's worth getting for sure but yeah on this podcast like a lot of these demos I never bothered to uh i mean they have just so many songs as it is it's like you spend you could, you know, you spend so much of your listening time, you know, dedicated to one band because they have so many songs and I'm mm. researching for this podcast. You know, I'm not going to sit down very often. I mean, I, I I once sat down and listened to the entire Power of dial 1 and 2 all the way through, which is like. What is that? The first one's like an hour and a half or something. So it's like an hour and a half of the weirdest shit. Some stuff that never got released, some stuff that is just very early demos, you know, dial a song versions. But like, are you going to spend your time sitting around (laughs) listening to demos or listening to the ones that they released on an album as what they (laughs) thought is the best version? You know, you're going to listen to what they thought the best versions were.
3: Yeah. this comes at an opportunity cost kind of.
1: Yeah. But I was getting some (laughs) feedback, like on the Mesopotamians episode, um, that I just released, Noah Daniels, who is about to be on the whole lot of glean episode, actually, yeah, it'll come out pretty much right before this, mm-hmm. he tweeted at me like, oh my God, where did you find that Mesopotamians demo? And it was uh, deep within this article that you can find off the wiki, but you kind of have to click through a lot. Ooh, okay. And yeah, so I put it in the episode, and he had never heard it before. That was my uh, first time said, listening to it, too. Yeah, the auto harp, right? He said, wow, the yeah. Mesopotamians demo is incredible. Lyrically, quite rough, but musically, I almost love it more than the original. Mm. I think it means original by the album version. Yeah, yeah. Where did you get it? <laughs> like, it was hard to find. Like, it's not on YouTube. Yeah. It seems like maybe someone now that I've made people more aware of it, maybe someone will go ahead and grab it and upload it to YouTube. Because maybe <laughs> you think YouTube has everything, but. I often still have to go to John Uless to get MP3s for stuff.
3: <laughs> that was my second guess that you got it from him. but
1: Yeah. Now I think he might have pointed it out to me originally. Yeah, I think I couldn't figure out, like, navigating the wiki. So it's a huge it – links to the article, and then the article is gigantic. All the way at the bottom, it's there. Um but I recorded that episode a couple of months ago and I'm like, John, I know there's this demo around. It says there's one, but I can't find it. And he he probably is the one that helped me like, Oh yeah, just go all the way to the bottom. <laughs> of that interview from, you know, 2006 or whatever it was. 2007. Yeah. 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 Glean is an amazing album. It's one that I don't think I appreciated fully when it first came out. And I think that the dial song thing, I think them doing it that first time was a little overwhelming to me because um, even as my favorite band again like I, I like so many other bands and so many other kinds of music that even though they're my favorite band it's like I would miss some of the songs when they would come out on when, on Wednesdays and I think some of them even I wouldn't have heard until the actual albums came out Um, be like oh I must have missed that week or whatever you know Did you, I mean the dial song thing has been great I think for getting them new fans a lot of the younger people I've talked to 2015 was the year they got into them, mm. but so they won you over to the new iteration of dial-a-song. Then,
3: yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm all I'm all in on clean, It's great.
1: Yeah. So, how did you pick unpronounceable? Um, well,
3: uh, let's see. Well, I'm putting it on the comp. I'm uh, the very volume two, um, and it's kind of funny. I didn't know how to play the song, but I loved it so much. I had to learn it, and so I looked up like people playing it and I found Carrie's version. And Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, we'll play that later. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh that uh that's how I learned how to play because I'm I'm self taught. If I'm reading chords, unless they're A through F major and minor, I'm kinda lost. Uh so I put like, you know, I usually power chords, I know those, but I don't know the names of them. So she mm-hmm. put some bar chords in there. I was like, oh that's where it goes. The part where it's yeah. like, uh, I never figured out what that was. You know, it's like, it changes keys yeah.
1: there. Yeah, And I was, I was trying to figure that out because lots of times on the episodes I'll find things that, you know, it might have the correct chords, but at the top of the wiki they always put key of whatever. And oh, at right. this point it's almost kind of pointless because Linnell's songs will change keys so much, uh, sometimes drastically, but sometimes just like very sneakily. And you could call the E flat and B flat, just you could just call them accidentals. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you can consider it a full key change when it only goes for two chords oh, out of yeah, the, the key chords, and yeah. then back. Because E flat and B flat good? are not in the key of G. That's E flat and B flat, you're saying? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Because it is in the key of G with all the G Cs and Ds mm-hmm. and the A minors. But for then sure. the E flat and B flat come up out of nowhere. And yeah, you got to do bar chords on those. There's no other way to do them. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. And that happens in every part of the song. It'll hit that E flat E yep. flat. The, the, chord progression the is kind of repetitive in this one, you know, for a Linnell song.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I didn't realize that until, like, all the lyrics were removed and we performed it. Yeah. And, like, yeah, this is really repetitive.
1: <laughs> yeah, even the, I mean, really the intro is the only different part. The uh, time stopped and it just sits on the G for a while.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it kind of kicks in, yeah. The, by the, when the first song gets to your name, it is unpronounceable, and then pretty much same thing throughout. <laughs> Rewind the tape, and then yeah. yeah. Um. Well, then there's the flames part too, but it's still the same chords. Same, right? same chords, different lyrics, and uh, yeah, uh, different melody. Melody, yeah. I do love that th- that they both sing on this because that's that's been a a, a thing that. You know it's just a minor grievance i suppose that in their early stuff they sang on each other's songs so much and not not so much anymore and again i think it might have to do with like just the digital era them being able to just demo out and and record their own harmonies right off the bat and then they're probably like yeah just do your own harmonies on the studio track you know it's fine makes sense yeah yeah, lead vocal, John Linnell. Backing vocal, John Linnell. And then other backing vocal that I would call <laughs> it also a lead vocal, just on the bridge, it's it's a lead, you know, the Flansburg part. Though I love, like, the big spacey nature of it. Like, it's got all that reverb on it. Mm-hmm. And they might be giants. They're not huge reverb fanatics. Lots of other musics I like uh, utilize reverb quite a bit. But they, they tend to go with a pretty dry kind of sound. Mm. Yeah, I noticed part.
3: that it's very wet in the vocals there, yeah. Yeah, um,
1: I know. I love it.
3: I didn't even notice that until I, like, you know, really listened to it a bunch of times. I was like, well, it's kind of, there's like an echo going on here. I didn't even realize.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And a lot of the Linnell stuff too, like time stop, yeah, know, all that delay. I love that shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at my pedal board, you can tell that <laughs> my, like effects, yeah. whether it's digital or, or pedal pedals. Um, I've run vocals through that pedalboard I've run accordion through that mm. pedalboard accordion with some distortion on it it's it's nice. uh it's unrecognizable as accordion but it sounds great <laughs> distorted and legible yeah exactly yeah it's <laughs> uh <laughs> your accordion is unrecognizable <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so what else do you like about it musically before we really dig into the lyrics uh you know i I don't know what
3: it is. It's You know, the kids would probably say it's a banger and it really slaps or something like that. It's a that. bop, yeah.
1: <laughs> my favorite is this song fucks, or this band fucks, that? right? Because fucking is good, so if it fucks, it's good. <laughs> I didn't know about that. That's a new one for me. <laughs> that's that's more in the Twitterverse where people are very crude. Nice. It's a bop. I don't like that one. It just makes it sound like it's a kid's song. Yeah, like kid's bop Which, or like um bop. you know, right, right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you said like, you know, oh, uh Triops has three eyes is a bop. That I could that I could go for. Right. But unpronounceable. I, I could go with banger. I could go with that. That that I can do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's go with that. Uh yeah. Because <laughs> it's just, you know, it kinda goes back to our youth, you know, stuff like, you know, when headbanging was more of a thing. Banger reminds me of that. Like it really it rocks oh, so much. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a banger, it's banging headbang yeah. to it, right? I think my favorite part of the musical uh stuff is where they heavily gate the music in that last uh, instrumental part. Oh, right. (laughs) Like
3: the very glitchy stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the first time I listened to it was on CD in my wife's car when we first bought it. And I thought, because her her car was a 2005, so when we got this, (laughs) it was already a 10-year-old car, and I thought the the CD player would skip on occasion. I thought it was skipping until it eventually settled into that rhythm it was skipping to a rhythm. I'm like, oh, that's intentional. But it was awesome. It fooled me at first.
3: <laughs> I could just picture people across America just banging on their CD players like, what's wrong?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. It's a noose. It's a noose CD. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, uh. But yeah, it's so cool. Like the Because, uh, yeah, Flansberg says um, the cutout effect. I wasn't really sure if they had just done it in post where you just snip out parts. Uh, but he says it was a gate, which uh, do you ever mm. – um, I you go to studios to do stuff. But you know, do you know about gating?
3: Uh, a little bit. I know it. Like you can cut out noise and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I use it on the podcasts a lot when I have guests um, who maybe there's uh, an air conditioner going or something, right? right. Or something's you know whirring in something's the background, or whatever or something. Yeah, or yeah. There's a bunch of different reasons you would use it, but so it uh, so for people that don't know, it's a it's a plugin, basically. You know, something you'd put on a track. Uh, on your recording, or I do it in post, in mixing, right? And you can set it the the decibel level, so the volume of the sound source, the person's voice, has to be at a certain decibel level, or oh. else it cuts it out, okay? Mm-hmm. So when they're talking, you know, unless they, like sometimes it's hard if the person starts talking really quiet, you gotta set the gate really, you know, at a low mm. decibel level, or it'll cut out their whispering, you know? Uh, gotcha. So you just, you, you put it right above where that you know if there's just like a ah, you know a fan <laughs> event blowing or whatever mm-hmm. that you didn't notice when you were recording, so it cuts out all of that because it's just a quiet thing below that decibel level. But then when they talk, it basically turns off the thing and lets their talking cut through. Um, so I use that a lot on podcasts, but you can use it. Um, gating became a big thing in the '80s, mm-hmm. and when you think of like. 80s albums when you think of like that 80s drum sound they would gate snare drums a lot or gate the reverb oh. so it'd be like
3: ka ka almost kah. like a drum machine yeah
1: yeah so it would like very there's a very definitive stop to the sound like mm-hmm. it doesn't just ring out like ka it's like ka and then it just stops <laughs> you know if you think about like bon jovi living on a prayer and stuff like mm-hmm. those those drums are very heavily gated That's how they do that. okay that makes sense yep yep um, yeah, typically I don't put gates on anything. Really, podcasts are what I use gates the most for, but mm-hmm. I've used it for an effect, and that's what they do here. So Flansberg says, they gated the guitar on Anna Ing. That's how they got that very staccato sound.
0: Oh,
1: Yeah, he says, Like the guitar on Anna Ing, the track is gated. Getting the gate to open and close musically without snipping the audio waveforms in such a way that causes a click was a bigger technical challenge than one might expect in this 21st century digital music world. Pat and John, I'm assuming he's talking about Linnell and not himself in the third person, really drilled down on that part. So, because uh, if you do... Well, you'll find this a lot if you do actually just snip out a waveform and just, like, chop it out. You'll get a little click, like, when it comes in. So it might be like, mm. um, ba-ba, ka-ka, ka-ka, Like, okay. you get a little, because you too aggressively cut the waveform. Something about the sound entering so aggressively rather than a natural entrance. I mean, you've you've spent your time looking at waveforms quite a bit, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, depending on the instrument, you know, like, a certain kind of creeping into the sound, even just slightly. Yeah. But if you just chop it like a flat wall to start the waveform, it can get like a little click to it. And mm. so, but they were gating it. They weren't doing that. So in, so as the whole band's going, dun-dun, 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 while, while the sound would decay, they were setting that decibel level. So when it just had barely decayed, it was cutting out. So instead of the dun-dun, it was going dun-dun and just aggressively cutting at the slightest decay. And it sounds like they were getting some clicking because of how aggressively they said it. Chances are they probably had to go in even after the gate and kind of round it out a little, just the slightest bit so that it didn't have that click. But um, I love that little, that digital trickery, you know, cause there are so many tricks like they would use back in the Beatles day where they, mm. you'd hear about them actually cutting with scissors and taping <laughs> stuff or running tape backwards and all that kind of stuff. But it's fun to mess with digital effects, too. For sure. Do you use many um when when you're like you know doing a final mix with one of your dudes in in your studios, do you ever be like, "Hey, let's throw this some wacky thing on it? Do you like doing wacky shit like that?
3: yeah i you know i I try to do a little bit of that. I mean, a lot of my songs aren't really too straightforward, so um, I've used like you know you know reverse stuff. In mm-hmm. my song uh, Great World, for example. Like that was like a tribute to the Moby Giants, so I did like the reverse thing, like which which song was it that they did that in? Um uh it's off of John Henry and everything goes oh, back um, to the drums.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's uh subliminal.
3: Subliminal, yes, yes. Uh so I did that and I'm I'm glad we're looking at this uh wiki article now because I have to figure out how we're gonna reconstruct this part uh in <laughs> unpronounceable. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sounds like they're saying something different than what the chorus actually is. It sounds like at, at right. the end they're saying it will be history or something like that. It sounds like that's what they're saying to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's I'm going like, to drop in a clip of uh, your song there just so people can hear the uh, sure the reverse. And where can they find the song in full? I know you, got a, you made a video for it, too.
3: Yeah, it's on YouTube, but um, it's on... What's your YouTube channel?
1: Uh, I think it's just Adam Rivera Music.
3: Um, let me check.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it yeah. is. I'll, um, I'll I'll put in a little medley. I'll, I'll play a little bit of the end of Subliminal in case people are forgetting yeah. um how that sounds and then I'll uh, put in that part of of Yours. That's awesome. I love a good reverse, like a reverse guitar solo. Like, in mm. uh, I think Taxman has that. Um, that stuff's awesome. If you've never used reverse reverb before, I would highly recommend mm. that. <laughs> That's another Bon Jovi trick. I remember I oh, put it yes. on a, my old band Blue Bottle. I'm like, can this song start with the first? Because it starts with just a big, like, beat four pickup on the snare. And there's a cowbell hit, too. And we reverse mm. the reverb oh, wow. on the snare and the cowbell. So it goes, Hah! So it's, it, you're, you're, you know, instead of it's doing the reverse. Like it basically just like sucks into it like a vacuum. It's pretty, just the reverb. Not the track though. Just the reverb. Wow. Okay. So you're just hearing, instead of the actual tone, you're hearing the, like the, the reverby part of it. Hmm. it's cool yeah my my delay pedal there has reverse delay so it's it's a weird thing you play it and then it kind of it does the it does let's see the forward delay first and then sucks it back so if you go if you just go like down the string it'll go (laughs) it's pretty fun getting a psychedelic like that um oh speaking of cool things before we again move into the lyrics let's look at that live version yeah because there's some pretty cool guitar effects on the second verse some more kind of spacey effects than we usually hear on the yeah. Some bends
3: in there or something like yeah right and also Dan?
1: uh-huh and plentiful reverb there's kind of like a spacey ambient nature to it uh, so let me just drop that in here and I'll, I'll, I'll cue it up right on that second verse yeah let's check that out and Miller they've got you know excellent gear like Flansburg loves like he's had so many iconic guitars throughout the years he's got you know really great amplifiers set up I think he's using a high tone right now is he an orange head I know he's got some high tone high tone stuff and he loves mm-hmm. pedals uh, and Miller has a fair amount of pedals too but they typically are using them for like subtle effects and different types of distortion they're not doing like really crazy crazy shit so when you hear stuff that sounds that uh exaggerated of an effect that is mm. pretty rare for them i feel yeah. like especially like yeah. live like on the spot
3: there's the second time they ever played that song live
1: yeah, yeah 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 and the um hold on let me credit the person that put that up there uh so you can find this one we just played on youtube the channel is heather goo Heather Goo, I wonder if that's Heather Baird. I do have a Heather on Patreon. Mm. Heather Goo. But is she in? No, she's not in New York. So chances are that's not her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was posted uh, April pretty early in that dial song cycle, April 2015. Uh, yeah, and they said it was the second time they've played it, and that the f- <laughs> they basically say that the first time wasn't good, so that they're going to do it <laughs> a lot better this time. Sounded <laughs> pretty good yeah. to me. Yeah, you know, I mean they're they're very self-deprecating in their humor, No, that's which I love. true. Yeah. And they're very professional, so. Yeah, I mean they're they're they never f- would fully botch a song. I don't see that ever <laughs> happening, you know. They're all very talented and they yeah. you know the the Johns surround themselves with talented musicians and mm-hmm. having the three dudes behind them now that you know, they've been gelling for, you know, the two Dans since 97 and then Marty and 2003 2004 came in so they they are a very solid unit yeah they know what's up yeah yeah and hopefully it's that 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 unit for good i mean i i got a little nervous when uh flans posted that um that little like compilation album called modern um i went ahead and bought it even though i already owned all the songs felt kind of silly but Mm. all the i mean you saw that right all the money went to uh their crew and to uh, oh, yeah. the the non Johns, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you think when you first saw that? Cause it made me a little nervous.
3: Uh I I don't really have a, anything to comment on that. I mean, it's a good thing that they're throwing them a bone, yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, I don't it didn't well, make me Well, I mean,
1: what I say when it made me nervous is that them like going to that extreme, putting out a piece of merch just to give those guys money. Makes me worry about their personal financial situations, and that oh. what if someone had to quit the band to join some other thing or go in? Maybe they're yeah. That's yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, what if like they end up not being able to do this fall tour? I mean, Miller needs to eat. You know, he's got kids. <laughs> I think right. This dude's yeah. got kids, and you know, Danny's got kids in college, and mm. um, I'm not sure about Marty, but they need the money, and it would suck for a like. There are probably musicians out there that are quitting music right now Mm. and thinking, Oh, this is just temporary. But then, you know, you end up in some other profession that actually puts food on your table and then music goes to the side. And that, that's, I mean, that's just life sometimes. And this is very extreme circumstances. So that made me very nervous. I can see that now. Yeah. They may be losing crew members. Like if, who knows how well that thing sold, but Mm -hmm. you know, they're not a major label band anymore and their, their fans do support them. But how many people were willing to buy something that already is all stuff that's been released. Mm -hmm. What I would do, honestly, what I would be happy to pay for is if they went ahead and released demos or like a preview EP, digital only or something, for the stuff that they've already recorded this year. Because they recorded stuff in December and then I think February in between the legs of the tour, the Flood tour. Mm. So they've got like half an album recorded Or at least partially recorded. If they release like a fan-only sneak peek kind of thing, I would gladly pay for that and and give that to the dudes. Um, Even
3: after the fact, after the album's released, they put the uh, like the demos out. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, something to yeah, make extra money for those guys and something that we haven't heard yet. Mm -hmm. Um, That'd be super cool. Like I know the IFC has kind of gotten delayed because. I mean if they're trying to manufacture merch some of that's getting delayed because factories are are putting non-essential stuff to the side. Yeah. Um but I mean like a digital thing would be pretty easy to be like, "Hey, here's a little mini IFC we're doing. If you pay in, you get to hear shit that no one else hears. Yeah. Please don't put it on YouTube." You know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, here's some demos, you know. We don't release demos anymore, but it's desperate times. Here's some new songs demos like yeah. or or here's what it's here what we got here's what we got so far uh that's gonna go towards a full length you know just for you super fans only i would love that
3: i think there was something recently that they they included some of uh danny's music on was it i don't know what it was i'm not trying. i'm trying to think well danny just
1: put out a new kids album yeah yeah the red pants band i don't know if it's like a compilation
3: and they put one of danny's songs on it but i know he does you know some of the kids stuff too but yeah, the, I his. I was. mean, he's
1: been on a couple times. Talk about Red Pants band songs. He did an episode yeah. on pumpkins are my favorite fruit. He did an episode on superstar, and then I played um, his song about dinosaurs. He goes towards dinosaurs and dinosaur <laughs> bones quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I am a paleontologist. He also had an archaeologist song, a Red yep. Pants song. Archaeology, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Danny's kids' music is amazing. He's got a very sure. great like power pop sensibility. Uh, to his stuff too, for sure. Um, so yeah, go support him while he's not on the road. You know, Marty's yeah. doing. Sa- Marty does soundtrack work, so maybe there's stuff that he is still on. working on yeah. that he could do from his house. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you want to get into the lyrics?
3: Yeah, I mean. Sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, as a, you as a guy who's who's uh you know working on a cover of this song, yeah, having to sing lyrics makes you think about them more. So, what are your uh, kick, kick this section off here? What what do you make of the lyrics, or have you not really thought about it other than just singing them?
3: I've thought about it, but it's pretty straightforward. It's just like it reminds me kind of like um. There's a lot of turnover where I work, so like I'll I'll forget people's names sometimes, and they, if they don't have their name tag on, i just completely forget. So yeah, right. <laughs> it makes me think of that, but it's pretty pretty straightforward, you know, this person, you don't know their name. It's you know, illegible, unpronounceable. It's uh yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's not like not very complex, I don't think.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, not according to people on the the uh, interpretation oh, really? tab. I you hear know, about <laughs> this there's thing. a lot of interpretations here. The first one is called Descent into Madness. <laughs> Ooh,
4: <okay. laughs>
1: this song relays an example of introversion and possibly extreme antisocial behavior the narrator mm. meets someone an attractive woman presumably at a party who literally takes his breath away so and quotes time stopped when you said hello when you left the clock began to breathe again his brain ceases up and he can no longer think straight much less remember her name it might as well be unpronounceable despite all the effort he puts into trying to recall it Quotes, rewind the tape, review the blur, but it's still distorted and illegible. Rather than attempting to track her down, he falls into depression. Staring at the sofa where he sat, he turns to excessive drinking, wound down and nearly drowned, lying on the ground. It takes a major toll on his life as all he can do is, quote, stare at the static and be hypnotized. The stuttering, chopped up vocals represent all he can say about anything anymore. And that is Mr. Me submitted that uh, when it was a new song, March 2015.
3: That's amazing. That's deep,
1: and the way John Linnell writes lyrics, you know, I, I, you know, that doesn't seem that far fetched.
3: <laughs> and knowing a little bit of his personality, for sure, too. Yeah, and the person
1: <laughs> below clears up that he probably should have said extreme social anxiety. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of other ones here. Let's just scroll this through here through a second. I, I I'm intrigued. You know, this is interesting. Yeah. I know. This is one of these things on the, the wiki I don't click over to too much unless uh, there's some really funny ones for an episode. Uh, let's see. You know, it's funny. There I've had so many guests on this podcast. There's only been a couple times that I've botched people's names. But, like, lots of times I'll make sure if I'm really unsure, like before we actually hit record, I'll be like, okay, say your last name for me, you know. <laughs> uh, I've had, you know, and also some um, – well, I mean, I've had – international guests on before, but they're mostly from English speaking countries. Mm, Okay. Um, so I haven't had that many hard to pronounce names. Um I may have only botched one. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Well your your name's pretty easy. I get Riviera sometimes.
1: Right. Riviera. And then Rivera and Riv yeah, Riviera, Riviera. I can see people Yeah. You know, just looking at your name quickly and saying it wrong. Mine mine is pretty easy (laughs) yeah.
3: do <laughs> i've got a cousin yeah. named greg and i love the simpsons so it's easy for me to remember
1: perfect yeah show started when i was in fourth grade uh bart simpson was in fourth grade I oh, sk- perfect I, I skateboard he skateboarded <laughs> we got a dog shortly after that so he he was bart simpson we could have gone with santa's little helper but that is uh, a very unwieldy name yeah. i wouldn't even shorten that to santa <laughs> yeah <laughs> santos santos L helper do you see any other interpretations that catch your eye?
3: The imagery of the clock breathing is sort of interesting and time stopping. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's pretty. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, it's it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty uh, imaginative and out there. But like, at first glance, it's pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Even singing a song doesn't necessarily mean you're going to think about it too hard. You're just like I like singing along in the car to it. I'm going to go ahead and do a cover. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to sing it. And yeah, it doesn't mean you need to overthink it, but yeah. Uh, how about alien visitation?
3: <laughs> Is that you what you see that one? Looking? Oh, wow. Okay. You see that one? No, I didn't see this. <laughs>
1: An alien has been serendipitously, another unpronounceable word, visiting some guy or gal in his or her apartment somewhere. The guy has been feeling watched for some time now and has grown alarmed at all the little bits of evidence in his home that make him think, I am not alone. He sets up surveillance equipment as though this were a haunting. He waits in a cloud of paranormal activity and paranoia for the uninvited guests to show. His brain is doing overtime. His heart is doubling that record. The alien finally presents itself. It moves across the room and sits politely on his sofa, introduces itself, perhaps gives a monologue about why it has come to Earth and chosen this particular guy to be his liaison with mankind. But this is all too much. The man just can't think straight. Usually I don't read these verbatim, but this one is, is pretty well written. I like this. And it yeah. continues. It continues. And then the alien is suddenly gone as though it had never been there to begin with. The guy takes a moment. He feels as though he had just had an episode. Was it real? He, rushed, he rushes into the other room to see what the video camera picked up nothing but static he stares in disbelief days go by he has not been himself since the visitation he spends hours staring at the fading impression of alien buttocks in the cushion (laughs) of his sofa he watches the video again and the white noise mesmerizes him he spends his days going back and forth between video screen and the couch cushion he's hypnotized not eating not sleeping one day he passes out lying in his own juices on the carpet (laughs) perhaps may have he finally understand the sound that the creature made as it spoke he can its name in his dreams it is still unpronounceable, and it never showed up on the camera. Submitted wow. by Jeff F. Haynes.
3: That's deep. I didn't even see this interpretations tag from the wikis. Uh, yeah, oh man, it provides incredible.
1: some some entertainment. You know, there's some wacky ones. There's some joke ones. It's 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 a funny place to to dig through, um, and not not something I had really clicked over too much until I started doing the podcast. But I, I yeah. do kind of like that that interpretation is fun, and you could almost see like the the gated portion, the choppy portion, as like in alien speaking, right? Mm, Uh, uh, For sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We got one medical condition, a breakup song, sequel to Anna Ng. The name Ng is by any means unpronounceable, except it's not (laughs) I've heard people mispronounce it, sure. Um Who's to say this isn't a sequel to the hit song from Lincoln? Anna Ng has its number of interpretations, uh, but if this is the sequel 27 years later, which would make sense with all the rewind lyrics, then Anna Ng is what we thought it was, uh, a love song about a Vietnamese woman. When she's Met Chalk is the person who submitted it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I think the, the anxiety one is, uh, is not as much of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, even the alien
3: is a little bit of a stretch, but I can see that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it's right up. That's why it's right up top.
1: Yeah, Linnell doesn't sing about aliens a whole lot, at least not that we can tell. But he does sing about anxiety quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So it seems a little more likely about it's someone who you know, because some people will, you could almost like have a, a stutter develop or some like yeah, literally like Mm -hmm. you're like like your brain freezes up when you're you meet someone you're interested in or you're in a nervous situation. So that kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on board with that one. So it's either straight up. Yeah. About someone's name. Who's, who's hard to pronounce, but I think that, that, uh, social anxiety one is, uh, is probably my favorite interpretation. I could get down with that. Yeah. The depression on the sofa part. Like, yeah. If, if you had some sort of big anxiety attack and you didn't want to leave your house, you know, you spend a lot of time on the sofa thinking mm-hmm. about things. So I could go with that. Any other thoughts on the lyrics? Uh, That's interesting. Over time, it
3: flattens out. Maybe, it's like, the affect flattens out or something. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's
3: still depressed.
1: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know. I never thought about it this, this deeply before. This is, this is pretty cool. And I never knew about this tab either. The uh, now
1: you know. Tab. You just lost the rest of your day to the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
3: Or I'll just get into John Henry demos. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or you just listen to more episodes of the podcast and, and listen sure. to our interpretations. And and sometimes we'll hit the interpretations tab just to see what kind of wacky shit's over there. Mm. Um, Let's uh, get to the covers. What do you say? Sure. So how about Mr. Kai Pfeiffer and Joseph Adams? Let's talk about that one first. Um. So it, it's uh, appeared first on the Glean for Australia comp, which people should still right. go and check out. It's a it's a double dose of Glean, two covers of each song, um, organized by um, Michael Valancik. I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, I'm assuming it's a Polish name and you would say it like that. But Michael put together a, a very – also he curated it pretty well and made sure the quality was high on these covers. It's a very good listen. And it was meant as a charity for, um, Australia wildfires, which by the time he got it out, COVID was already sweeping Mm. the world. And, uh, but I mean, there are other problems out there than, than the virus. So there's still big problems, California and Australia, especially having big wildfire problems. And there's links to some places to donate, um, to different fire services and, areas of australia and such the australian red cross things like that uh so let's drop in a, a clip of his or these two dudes kai and joseph doing unpronounceable time stopped
0: when you said hello when you left the clock began to break again. Now all I do is think about the puzzle that remains. Your name it is unpronounceable. Distorted and illegible. I never figured out what that was. If I could
1: things about uh, their cover
3: I like the uh, there's sort of like the, the drumming there's like a gallop at the end almost if that's uh-huh. the correct terminology for it I really sure, like that yeah. Yeah. I like the there's a there's a starty stoppy part that wasn't initially in the song I like that too
0: your name it is unpronounceable distorted and illegible I never figured out what that was if I could
3: It's definitely a little more rocking than their version I think it might be the same tempo I don't know
1: you mean a little more rocking than the original they might be giants one yeah yeah I think it's about the same tempo um which the way the rhythms work in this song it it would really take on a different feel if you try to change the tempo it might completely alter the DNA of the song which sometimes that's what you want to go for but I you know keeping it at the tempo seems like a decent idea to me i guess Uh, we'll find
3: out i i upped the tempo on mine which is what i'd always do with any cover song i do
1: (laughs) oh yeah 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 for sure i mean if if you if you kept it in i mean how much did you up it was it more than like 10 bpm
3: uh it's it's noticeable yeah it's noticeable but it's not extreme
1: slowing it down i think would be not a great idea because it would take that jittery element out of it Hmm. I I, suppose it could almost change the interpretation and be like, oh, this guy's not that anxious after all. Listen to how chill this is.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think Daryl's cover might be slowed down or it's just maybe less busy because there's no other instruments besides the melodica and the piano.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Having no drums makes it seem slower. Um, I'm not sure if that's different tempo. But real quick, the credits on this one, Kai and Joseph. So Joseph did the Flansburg vocals and the harmonies uh, and the keys, uh the uh there's vibraphone keys and a sega mega uh solo what? so that that synth part is using it's like a chiptune kind of thing
3: Just yeah i didn't realize he,
1: that either because you don't see the credits for each individual track on the Bandcamp unless you click right on it mm. and then kai did the linnell vocals and some harmonies did the organ uh the rhythm and lead guitars the drums and percussion the bass and also mixed and mastered it kai is a guy like um me and him talk a lot because we do a lot of the we have a lot of overlap in our the ways we approach things and he does a really good job um with all of his songs he's involved with. He's He's got a really good home studio going, too. Uh, cool dude. And uh, he is picking a song to be on an episode for. Not sure when that would air or when it would record, but he'll be on the podcast at some point. Looking forward to it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's just go ahead and talk about Daryl's. Uh, he has that on his SoundCloud slash Astral B. It is also on the Glean cover album. Time stopped when you said...
5: breathe again now all i do is think about the puzzle that remains your name it is unpronounceable distorted and illegible i never figured out what that was if i could and then i doubt i ever will rewind the tape the same but still obscure turn up the sound and hear the white noise so man enhance if that were even a real thing which it is. is stare at the static long enough
1: you and I'm gonna hear. play a clip right now where the accordion also enters which is about halfway through the song I should have asked him what kind of accordion that is, because it's, it's gotten to feel more of a folk accordion than a, uh, I think he has a couple of accordions, um, but I don't know if you know, do you know that much about accordions? Are you I don't accordion actually, dude? no, I'm not. I thought that was a melodica at first. Well, because it does, it has uh, a vibrato to it, which, okay. um, so I've got. I mean, technically, I've got four accordions, but really, I inherited three from my grandpa, and two of them are basically decoration because they're beyond repair. Uh, Mm -hmm. They sat in my mom's basement for a long time after he passed, but Mm -hmm. we got one fixed up, and it's a small diatonic button accordion. It does not have a piano side. It only is made to play in C and G. So it's got two rows of what pretty much look like shirt buttons, um, and it's 175 years old approximately from when we got it looked at. And fixed up Um, So the one row of the buttons plays in C The other row plays in G It's kind of like a harmonica In that, you know, a harmonica When you blow out or breathe in It's two different notes Uh, This kind of accordion changes notes Whether you are pushing or pulling the bellows Whether it's a draw or a pull Gotcha Yeah, which makes it It's very easy to um, improvise uh, Because if you stay on that row you're always in the key. You could never hit but a it wrong makes note, sense. Yeah. right? And the bass side on mine only has uh, the one, four, and the five chords um, of each key. So you could just like go nuts and just wheelie, 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 and you know the <laughs> one, four, and five can pretty much fit uh, uh, under anything you play. Um, and it also has a little bit more of a vibrato to it. Uh, you'll see that with those diatonic accordions, diatonic, tritonic, and the little squeeze boxes like um, concertinas and stuff. Mm. But when you get more into the piano accordions, it's more of kind of just a straight tone, not so much wobble in it. So whatever Daryl is using here it uh, has a little bit of that vibrato to it. So okay. when you hear it, and those kind of accordions also tend to have a little thinner sound because they don't have as many reeds on the inside. Oh, maybe that's why I thought it was melodica, yeah. I mean, I can show you both of mine if you want. Okay. Do you, want, do you want to see my grandpa's? <laughs> I can sure, demonstrate yeah. the difference. It's been a long time since I played him on the episode. Okay, hold on.
3: It's got its case to it. It's got its own okay. case.
1: First, yes, two different science cases. First, the, my piano accordion. So most people are familiar with what an accordion it sounds like if you're they might be a be Giants fan. But just for comparison, oh, and this is right under my desk because I was recording something. Yeah. The original song, and actually a Beach Boys-inspired song. Because people don't realize how much accordion is all over Pet sounds. Like the song, uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice, has three accordionists playing in unison on the record. No way. So here we've got, if I just play a C. Not, not any vibrato there. And you can give it that thicker sound depending on how many reeds you're using. Like here it's got an octave right in it. Now if I play a C on my grandpa's Oh oh, (laughs) here's my grandpa's very old Italian accordion. Well these are both Italian technically. So here's my grandpa's. Wow. So it's got two rows of what basically looks like shirt buttons. So if I play a C on this one, it sounds like this. So it's got a little bit of that
3: Interesting, yeah.
1: wobble to it. So, And in, out makes different uh, notes, like I said. So what Daryl is using on that track <clears throat> sounds a lot more like this accordion, my grandpa's really old one, diatonic, than my piano accordion. So I'll have to ask him what, because uh, I think he does own multiple accordions. Wow. The interesting thing, Linnell's current accordion um, is a piano accordion, though it is smaller. It's like somewhere in between the size of my piano accordion and my diatonic accordion. Um, as he's gotten older, he's using lighter and lighter accordions. You know, those oh, right. accordions are very heavy, uh, so I don't blame him. But his accordion, though it is a piano accordion, has a little bit of that vibrato to it. Huh. And if you pay close attention... Um, now the original of unpronounceable does not have accordion in it, but if you pay attention to live recordings, like if you watched a Particle Man live recording from the past few years and listened to the sound of the accordion and then listen to an old live recording of it with accordion, you will you know if you' listen carefully, you'll definitely hear the old ones. those piano accordions do not have a vibrato, do not have a wiggle to the sound, um, while the modern ones do. I'm not exactly sure why he decided to switch not just size of accordions but almost timbre of accordions. It's interesting. He's got a more folky accordion now. Yeah, let's see. Does
3: he, does he pull it out just live for live situations, or do you think he just does, does the same in the studio?
1: I've I've seen pictures of him using this the same accordion in the studio. I mean, you okay. think maybe you know he's probably got <laughs> dozens of accordions at his place now. I'm you sure. know. I, I I mean, unless he's gotten rid of them, but it doesn't really seem like someone <laughs> whose career is based on playing keyboard instruments that you would just throw shit away or sell it. Mm-hmm. Um So it, it, I would think that when they go into the studio that he might be like, well, maybe this accordion's better for this song or this one's better for this song. It's, you know, just like different guitarists will play, even on the same song, there might be two tracks and do one yeah. on a Gibson and one on a Fender or, or something, you know. Um How many guitars do you own? Three. Only three. Only three. I don't don't own that many either. Um, (laughs) Because I play too many instruments, I can't afford to buy that many of the same instrument because I need to spend money on drum stuff or, you know, I cracked a cymbal or whatever, you know. Oh, there goes another guitar. That crash cymbal was $300. (laughs) So you said we have not... We've saved uh, the cover... The last cover is the one that you said was the first cover you heard. Carrie Hearn, Jessica on YouTube. Carrie yeah. Hearn's cover. Uh, so let's go ahead and play that right now.
6: Time stopped when you said hello. When you left, the clock began to breathe again. Now all I do is think about the pause of that is unpronounceable distorted and illegible i never figured out what that was if i couldn't then i guess i'll never rewind the tape review the blur never the same but still obscure turn off the sound and hear the white noise zoom and enhance if that were real
1: So Carrie's specialty is the classical guitar, as in a nylon string. Yeah, the archtop, yeah. Yeah, a nylon string acoustic guitar, Spanish style, as some people might think of it. And her vocal style is very unique. She is an alto who has been in choral groups for most of her life. Uh, oh. what, what do you What do you like about her cover? Uh, well, I
3: like the fact that I learned how to play it from her from her video. Yeah, sure.
1: you hear that, uh, Carrie? Look at that, <laughs> teaching people. Yeah, totally.
3: Um, but it's it's unique. Um, it's just the guitar, you know. So, I, I like that.
1: Yeah, it chills it out in a in a different way than Daryl's does.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I I dig her covers, and she is also upping her game. Um, obviously, this is an older cover. This is from 2017, but she is starting to learn some recording techniques and learn about some gear from her dad. And is now doing some more uh, keyboard stuff, and I think starting to like oh, nice. do some layering and stuff like that. And um, now that she's done with school, um, she's done with her PhD. She's full time employed, but I think she's like, "Hey, I'm going to start also, you know, upping my my hobby game, yeah, and uh, take my recordings to the next level." So, yeah, Carrie always coming through for me with covers. That's awesome. And She knows a lot too. Yeah, she does. She does. Uh, so I think, yeah, you got to score this song now, dude. What are you going to give this song? So a uh, zero to 10 decimals are Ooh. acceptable. You're scoring it, uh, kind of like as on the wiki, uh, against other, they might be giant songs. Of
3: course. And I think on the wiki is 45, which is pretty impressive. I think
1: it is. Yeah. Out of, uh, 910 songs that you can score on the wiki, it is at 45, which is incredibly high. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, so giving it scale one to 10,
1: uh, that's hard. Um, I'm going to well, say, what's a 10 for you? Like off top of your dome, um, like other than like birdhouse and, you know, the big ones, what's yeah, a 10 for you that birdhouse. people might not expect is a 10?
3: Well, my favorite song, it's, um, destination moon. Oh, that I think is a 10 to me.
1: Good choice. Yeah. I haven't done that episode yet, but that is definitely up there. So what would uh where would unpronounceable fall if, if if um, if destination moon's a 10?
3: Ooh, uh this is always really hard for me cuz I love all this stuff of course but um yeah. probably yeah. like a I'm just going to throw an 8.9 in there. Niner, sure.
1: Yeah. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I think this is my second favorite song off Glean after Answer uh which is one that I've covered and I did on ooh. uh race for that episode what did I give answer let's see where did I I can't find anything let's see command F answer okay I gave that in 8.9 <laughs> which is what you just gave yeah wow. which, which is what you just gave unpronounceable so if uh, my favorite glean song is in an 8.9 go a little bit below that. I think I'm gonna go solid. Uh, let's do an 8.1 for unpronounceable. It is, it's a great song. I love using the digital effects. I love that they use some more reverb. It kind of sets itself apart in its production elements. You know, they they really took it up a notch with the production because mm. um, even though it's like, in, in a way, it's kind of like that straightforward Linnell power pop, uh, you know, wheelhouse that he's got. Um, but then it adds these extra little twists in the production, which I love. And plus it has Flan singing on it as well, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. 8.1. Nice. I'm into it. So plug that Kickstarter one more time. So it's
3: uh, They Pay Tribute Volume 2. Uh, you can find it on Kickstarter. Just search They Might Be Giants so or search Adam Rivera. Um, there are various perks from $2 all over to $200. In various levels in
1: between Oh, what does 200 get you
3: uh let me check uh that's it's called the very biggest one i
1: believe 200 gets you sexual favors from adam (laughs) rivera
3: whoa look uh... (laughs) out yeah it's called the very biggest one it comes with two copies of the double disc two copies of the original disc a t-shirt a bunch of posters some dice some stickers and a usb drive with all the bonus content
1: Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, see, this podcast has the explicit E next to it, so I can say all kinds of wacky shit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sexual favors are not on the menu for uh, the Kickstarter. I think you would probably be kicked off of, uh, Kickstarter probably would not have approved your project if you had uh, that in
3: there. (laughs) It's probably against regulations there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, to have prostitution in it. (laughs) (laughs) I am selling my body uh, to the highest bidder. Doesn't make nope. it through. Sorry. That's one of the secret uh, bonus elements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, not at all. It's on the secret menu, like an in and out burger. There's it's a, uh,
3: yeah. It's a, what is it called? The uh, stretch goal. It's a stretch goal.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, for real, though, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. I pledge to it, and uh, you will be hearing some of my songs on it as well and uh Kai I'm sure and and yourself obviously and there's gonna be a lot of awesome stuff in there those of you listening there's still time to submit all of you this might be a podcast listeners uh get on that let's have a really big showing of podcast fans on this compilation because you're a talented bunch so thanks Adam for being on happy to help you promote this thing and I wish you very very much success with this I'm sure it will uh, all turn out great. I'm positive. Thanks so much, Rick. Do you want people to find you anywhere else? Uh, like for your music, where should they go?
3: Sure. For my original stuff, you can go to adamriveramusic.com.
1: Easy. Gotta love a guy that has an actual website.
3: <laughs> you can also find like all the stuff I released on uh, iTunes and Amazon and all that stuff because it's
1: all digital distributed. Yep, this guy's the real deal. He's he's all over the place. Uh, I, I do love it when I'm looking for covers and I find the same cover on multiple platforms because that mm. means you know they're they're covering all their bases as you should. And you can find This Might Be a Podcast uh, at dot com uh, features a lot of They Might Be Giants covers and uh, all over the social medias. I'm not even going to bother saying those anymore. But if you want to get in the mailbag segment... Email is the best way and voicemail. So email, this might be a pod at Gmail. Voicemail is 224-801-2930. Give me a call. Leave some voicemails. I want to hear some new voices uh, that I can plug into the mailbag portions of the podcast. And um, I think that's about it. Head to the Patreon if you would like. Uh, uh, give Adam money to make his stuff. Give me money and I'll, I'll send you stickers. Uh, you like those stickers you got there, dude? I do. They came out pretty sweet, right? They're pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah, see, we, we both know what we're good at, and we also <laughs> know when we should hire other people to do stuff like art-wise, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of artistic talent visually and musically and everything else when it comes to the They Might Be Giants community. There's a lot of very, very creative people with very creative brains and a lot of talent, so uh, we love uh, hiring on those people as well. That'll do it, man. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Rick. Awesome.